Hey guys, this episode is for those seven figure sellers that are looking to scale, but you just can't seem to figure out why your website conversion rate is not where it needs to be. We're going to be digging into a conversation today with Chase Clymer, who is the co-founder of electriceye.io, as well as the host of the Honest E-Commerce podcast. This is the Launch and Scale podcast, the home of some of the best e-commerce advice on the internet today. Whether you're launching your first product or scaling your existing storefront, we include conversations from industry experts, best practices, and practical tips to help you run a profitable e-commerce brand online today. I'm your host, Kirsten, and my mission is to create 100 seven-figure brands by 2027. If you're going to be one of them, be sure to subscribe and not miss another episode. By the way, for more resources and information on how to work with us, go to launchandscale.co. Remember, that's .co, not .com. Apart from that, let's get into the episode. Today, we're just going to be digging into um, exactly what CRO is or conversion rate optimization. What are some easy things you can implement today to improve your website conversion rate? And honestly, like how to understand what this is a little bit better, because honestly, this is one of the uh, main areas that sellers lose so much money from the traffic that they're sending to their website. So Chase, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. This is a fun conversation. And I we had a we had an awesome pre-conversation. And just from the intro, I was like, oh, what about this, this, and this? I promise I'll I'll keep it succinct, but I got so much to share. The problem with with interviewing other podcasters is that we can literally sit here for like three and a half hours going down these tangents about like, oh yeah, this other cool thing. Um, so this is gonna be really difficult to like rein this into like a 20, 25 minute conversation. But for you guys, we really wanted to keep this specific and actionable uh, to help you solve some, one of your biggest problems um, as a merchant when you're growing your store. So Chase, I would love to start with just a quick intro for those on the podcast uh, that don't know who you are or your work with Electric Eye. Can you just give like a quick uh, intro to who you are, what you do and go from there? Absolutely. So uh, yesterday I described myself as a Shopify veteran when I was writing a blog article. I've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, So what we do at the agency is just front-end Shopify user experience stuff. So we're usually either building a new website uh, using some more nerdy terms. We're like using a theme or making a custom theme for a brand. Um, we, we work more with more established sellers, not working much with startups these days, but we do kind of have a path for that if it makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's either we're building like a, 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 the big project, the fun thing, we're doing like the, the house flip of the website, or we're doing kind of more ongoing optimization, support and maintenance. And that's a lot of CRO, which is what we're going to talk about today. So we've been doing that for seven years. All we do is make websites better. Direct to consumer is our bread and butter. Uh, so I'm very excited to dive in deeper there. I do have one question before we start. When companies hire you to build a new website or improve, mm-hmm. like, because there's two types. You could do a full new website build from scratch or you do ongoing maintenance, right? Yep. So when a company hires you to do a flip of a website, why are they wanting you to do that? It's a great question. And it's a question that I usually have for them. I was like, why do you guys want a new website? What's wrong with this one? I asked that, but then as an expert, we kind of understand where people are coming from. Uh, Big things are migrations. We migrate a lot of brands from say, uh, Squarespace or Magento or big commerce to Shopify. And if you're doing that, like a redesign is oftentimes easier because here's something you don't, most people don't know is trying to match the design of an old website on a different CMS to the new website Mm -hmm. is more work. 
<laughs> so it's oftentimes easier to do a light rebranding of during those migration projects. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, if the old website is uh, on an old brand and you use, or you're just updating the assets, like usually a, re uh, a refresh of the UX of the website is an in right. thing. But oftentimes these brands uh, on Shopify uh, inherit a lot of technical debt with decisions that have been made historically by installing and uninstalling apps. That leaves a bunch of spaghetti in your code and chasing that stuff and cleaning it up is kind of a pain in the butt or you can kind of just start over and do something better. Shopify has recently released a bunch of uh, awesome new stuff to their okay. themes on this online store 2.0 stuff. And uh, putting that into uh, an older theme sometimes is counterintuitive because it, those older themes don't have the performance gains that yeah. the newer ones have. And we'll talk about performance a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I answered your question and I was kind of going down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. Uh, I really think it's important to know why some people would want to invest in a new website at that point. So that's just really awesome. And I, I'm sure we're going to be talking about migrations and stuff. Like and also, here's on. the thing that no most agency people won't tell you. It's not our decision. It's your decision. And we'll yeah. tell you what we think is the best. But obviously, what works for your business, what your budget entails, and how you guys can get the problems right in front of you solved are more important than like what we think the best project is. And they should be able to lay out those options for you and explain why. 100%. Like our job is to diagnose and give you options. And at the end of the day, it's it's like your body, it's your website, it's your business. So you're the one that does need to make an educated and informed decision, which is why you're smart watching this video. So be sure to give this a big thumbs up if you're enjoying the content so far. Chase, you brought up a really good point in before we started recording where um, there's a misconception on what conversion rate optimization actually means. And when you said that, I was like, right, I'm programmed to think of CRO as website conversion, but conversion rate optimization can go into the paid ad side. It can go into landing page conversion rate and go, it can go into really anything where you're trying to improve the outcome that you're getting through your marketing efforts. So I would love to hear it from you. How do you define what conversion rate optimization is? Absolutely. This is like the first kind of piece of information that I educate potential clients when they reach out and it, there's a lot of copy about it that's soon to be on our new website. So conversion rate optimization is 100% named wrong. I've got a friend that's in the game, Dylan, and he owns splittesting.com. Actually, he used to own it. He sold it. Anyways, he has a whole thing about this as well. It's named wrong. He wants to punch the guy in the face is what he says. That's like his words. A conversion is getting a user to take the action that you want them to take on your website. So if that action you want them to take is a purchase and now in the e-commerce world a conversion is a purchase is how every report kind of states it uh these two ideas got blended together so conversion rate optimization got almost dumbed down to this idea of you're just trying to increase your conversion rate on your website mm -hmm. which that's what a lot of people still are doing and that's perfectly fair and fine but a conversion can be anything it can be a page view it can be a form fill out it can be a add to cart. Sometimes when you don't have enough purchases to do real CRO, you have to go a step up the funnel. So now you're con you're optimizing for add to carts, right? Um, so the, the short answer is conversion rate optimi optimization is named wrong, completely wrong. But since that's what everyone calls it, it's what the industry has been calling it. Yeah. So the goal of conversion rate optimization is to pick a KPI and make it better. So if you think that it's named wrong, what should you name it? Oh my gosh. Uh, and some people are out there trying to do that in the e-commerce space. They're trying to, they're like going for like, uh, life 
cycle optimization or lifetime value optimization. You know, it's just more like, so what we do to the agency, it is a lot of conversion rate stuff, but we're also doing a lot of stuff around average order value. Um, and then like you mentioned earlier, you kind of take a step back and like once marketing starts to get involved with what you're trying to do, uh, you start to get into like some more fun stuff. And like, so there's like your global conversion rate and then there, maybe there's a conversion rate for a specific marketing campaign. And those things can be vastly different depending on how you kind of are setting up what your funnel looks like. And I know you and I could get lost down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. I remember when I was learning online marketing, how overwhelming the numbers were and what to pay attention to. And now that I coach e-commerce store owners, when they're just beginning, like in that first six figure level, they open Facebook business manager and they're like, I have like dozens of these numbers. Like, what do I pay attention to? It's so overwhelming. And so when it comes to conversion rate optimization, what ideally are the thing, like the top three KPIs that we really should pay attention to and uh, versus ignore everything else? Yeah. Uh, so here is, I wrote a whole ebook about this that you can get for absolutely for free. If you go to brandscalingframework.com, you just pop in your email there, you'll get our ebook for free. I'm working on version two of it that has a lot more information about CRO in it. Nice. But the three KPIs that we like a lot at the agency are average order value, conversion rate, your true conversion rate from your Shopify backend and your sessions. Um, and the reason we care about those is if you take it, say your average for the last 30 days and you multiply them together, you're going to get basically your sales for the last 30 days because it's the law of averages. Those are the numbers. That's how it works. Yeah. Right now you've established your baseline and then you can dive in a bit deeper to figure out where you should focus your energy and what thing, what KPI you should improve. And so like average order value and conversion rate, Mm-hmm. Are a lot of UX stuff, and that's like what we do at the agency and work with our clients to make very well. And then sessions is marketing and advertising 101. That's like how are you driving net new eyes or remarketing back to your website? How many people are on your page? Yeah, so, so one thing, um, I find a, a hurdle that every advertiser and brand has to get over in the next like 12 to 18 months is how the numbers, you know, when you look at your sales performance in Shopify versus GA4 versus TikTok ads, everything, nothing matches. And so we typically use like third-party tools like Triple Whale or something like that. And I wanna go back to something you said where you said like the true metrics, the Shopify dashboard. Um, Are Shopify's metrics, are they like the gospel? Are they really the true metrics or is it actually using a third-party tool for making sure that we get proper data across like that omni-channel marketing? That's a, that's a fantastic question. So um, what I said earlier in the clarification there would be, these are how they're named in your Shopify dashboard. And I should point a clarification here would be, I'm going to talk about Shopify a lot because that's what I do. But you can do all the stuff I'm talking about with a big commerce store, a Squarespace store. As long as you have access to make the cust- like the changes that you want to to your store, you can make all these changes. Yeah. Where you're going to get a little less ability to make this stuff is like on networks that or, or platforms are a lot more gated, like marketplaces such as Amazon. You kind of locked into how they want you to do stuff. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, all these things apply all over the place. I just... Shopify is my bread and butter. So that's kind of why I lean towards saying all that stuff. But um, to your question, mm-hmm. um, for like sales and stuff, Shopify is fine. For attribution, I would 100% use something else. Um, GA4 is very new. 
Uh, it's changing every day. It's rapidly, you know, all of our clients are moving over to it. The historical data from Google analytics, like universal analytics kind of like does and doesn't come over. It's a whole weird thing. So that's a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we use, and I will 100% admit this is because I'm biased because yeah. they are Columbus, Ohio homies with us is triple whale is from here in Columbus where we're from. We're very good friends with the founding team. They stole our developer, Mike, like we love them. Uh, we kind of use that and, or push our clients towards that when they have questions about attribution. Yeah. I've, uh, we use triple whale as well. It is awesome. Um, cause we had that. You know, when we started going omni-channel with a few of the brands that we have, we were like, you know, Facebook was taking um, credit for eight purchases where TikTok was getting six. Then, you know, Google Analytics is saying like, oh, Facebook got us 18. We're like, what the heck's going on? And so anyway, this is not a conversation about attribution. Guys, (laughs) if you'd like to learn a little bit more about proper tracking, allocation, attribution, like let us know in the comments. Happy to do a follow-up. But going back to that, I just, I had to dig in because I was like, wait, do you know something that I don't? Has Shopify improved their attribution? Not quite. (laughs) Better, but not quite. Um, One thing, while a seller goes to improve their website conversion rate toward purchases, add to carts, or the really the goal that they, or the action that they want their customers to take, what is one place that they tend to get hung up, like mentally, um, through like any uncertainties in the process or fears in the process? Yeah. So the one place that they get hung up is with their opinion uh, because it doesn't matter. It's what your customers care about and it's what the data is telling you. Right. And so let's dive in here to like CRO and like what the heck is going on here. Right. So we're going to focus on conversion rate for the next little bit. So this is true conversion rate on your Shopify store. Right. Yes. So conversion rate is kind of like a iceberg of the way that you can approach it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's kind of like four tiers of what you're going to do here. Right. And so at the top of that iceberg is kind of like the using our expertise. You have someone mm-hmm. like me, just look at your store and be like, well, these things are obviously wrong. Right. And that's just heuristic analysis to use nerdy words. It's fix what we believe should be fixed. Right. Yeah. That only goes so far. And that is basically every audit out there in the world, every teardown that you can buy for a couple hundred bucks, every expert, putting their opinion on your website. Like that's just heuristic stuff, right? Yeah. Then the next tier is going a little bit deeper is using analytics and using what the data tells us right now. Yeah. This is where you find some really fun stuff. Uh, here is a win for everybody out there. If you have Google analytics installed, go and look at your, um, page, your, uh, sales by page view and find and then, what you want to do is sort it by views and then find pages that have a bunch of views, Mm -hmm. but like don't have any conversion or like money attributed to that page. What that will mean is like, maybe you have this awesome blog article about ski boots, but you forgot to put a link to your boots in there to send them to buy the thing. Right. So you, that's, that's a quick win for everybody. Right. Um, and so now getting a little bit deeper past the analytics, right? So you can take a look at Google analytics. Also going into Google, Google analytics and just like looking for, stuff is a fool's errand. Like you should have a plan of the views you want to look at and like where you're trying to, to optimize stuff. This is where stuff gets a lot more fun though, is diving deeper into your passive customer research and your active customer research. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a minute, but it's like seeing their behavior on your website and then just asking them stuff 
Like yeah. nobody interviews their customers and that's a whole conversation we'll have in a little bit. But um, to kind of the more top level stuff, things that people can really do themselves. Um, conversion rate optimization before you get into the more behavioral uh, and split testing and uh, customer interview stuff is it boils down to performance and UX optimization, right? Mm -hmm. So for performance, a lot of brands on Shopify, if you have an older theme, especially with a theme that's before 2.0, you're just leaving money on the table from a performance aspect. Yeah. Um, there are dozens of tools out there uh, to, to run and find like how fast your website is. Usually what's happening is they have oversized assets. That's like a number one uh, thing that's just slowing down websites. Um, another thing is that they have spaghetti in their code. Like I mentioned earlier, they have like a million JavaScript things firing uh, and it's just like slowing down the website, right? Now, I'm not saying here that you need to get rid of every single app that you have installed and like run a naked store or something like that. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. Like every app you have should have a reason and like the page load is worth the user experience benefit that you're getting. Yeah. Um, and that's just an internal business decision. And like, does that actually make my customer experience better? Yeah. Um, most of our clients are on Shopify Plus and they're floating around like 20 to 30 apps. Like that's, that's normal, right? Mm -hmm. But definitely you can do some better stuff on the back end to manage the performance and when those things are firing and how fast these things work. Um, so that's like usually where we find a lot of easy wins is on the performance side of stuff. Past that, you're getting into more the user experience and kind of best practices. And a lot of times what we see is brands have garbage, just absolutely atrocious navigation. <laughs> and, and it's like they've oh never God. tried to shop on their own website like with a blank mind. Um, you, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you have a store, you're trying to sell a product, it should be e-commerce focused front and center. Um, and it should allow people to browse. The browsability of your website is very important to help people get from knowing who you are to liking the products you can sell. If it's hard for them to find more information about their thing or get to the exact one they want, they're possibly going to abandon before they get to that next step of that kind of, yes. you know, like trust funnel. Mm -hmm. um, here's a, a good example, because uh, this one's a little harder and it's very specific to, to brands and, and, and industries. But like, um, if you've got like a higher skew count, like above 24 SKUs or whatever, right? Like this would apply to like a clothing brand. Uh, you're sorting and filtering and how I can like drill down into what actually fits my weird lanky body. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have that, you're leaving money on the table. Nobody wants to browse forever. They want uh -huh. to be able to get to the products that will fit them and solve that problem that they have easily. Now, there's a lot of brands out there that like to do something unique and different. And I'm specifically talking to you right now about the next thing, which is like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And the Walmarts, the Amazons, the targets of the world are training your customers on how to shop. Mm -hmm. And if your pattern of how to shop is different, you are murdering your own conversion rate. Like it should be almost intuitive. And, uh, you know, uh, that gets into, you can, once you use your website so much as like an owner or someone that works at a brand, you're just used to the weird choices you've made and you need to start getting outside opinions from either experts or strangers. And that can give us some more information to that. I yeah. just said a whole bunch of stuff. 
Do you I have any it. questions? So, Let's unpack. Um, I do want one question before we go into some of the tools to help understand how people are navigating the site, et cetera. Um, but you mentioned earlier that you migrate a bunch of people away from big commerce, Squarespace, et cetera, over to Shopify. From a CRO expert, I would love to hear um, what website hosting platform should people be on? Is it a big commerce, WordPress? Is it Shopify? All right, look, here's the, here's the real answer, everybody. If all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. So what that means is I'm a Shopify expert. I like and prefer to use Shopify for e-commerce brands. I think it is the best solution out there for brands. Um, now, with that being said, do I think if you are going to migrate from big commerce to Shopify and change absolutely nothing about your business or your website, they're going to be almost identical, just the backends are different. I think that's stupid. <laughs> that's a waste of everyone's time and money and energy. I think that it's not like a platform itself is not going to solve any problems or make anything better. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I'm a proponent of migrating if the business has a good use case to migrate where they want either savings on maintenance or they have technical debt on an old platform and they want to move to Shopify for other reasons or there's a feature and functionality that they want to add to their website and migrating to a platform that better serves their needs as a business makes sense. That, that I'm, a, I'm a, a big fan of that stuff. But I think migrating for the sake of migrating because you think it's going to solve your problem is wrong. Like a tool 100%. is just a tool. If you don't have a strategy of how to use it, you're gonna end up at the same spot. Yeah, like we ended up one of the migrations that we did, um, a brand was launched on WordPress, big commerce. And when we realized our conversion rate on the site was like 0.8% and we wanted to be able to implement certain things like better bundling or upsells or, you know, just some of the apps that you can get easily on Shopify. Like we were not able to do that with without extensive coding and a lot of customization. So we made the choice to migrate everything over to Shopify for some of the customization that we were able to get through the apps. So that is an example of like, hey, big commerce is limiting us for what we can do for conversion rate the way that we want to improve it. So let's move over to like another site that we're able to do that on. So Shopify was able to drastically help us increase that conversion rate. Absolutely. And I mean, I'll, I'll fully admit here, I've told brands to stay on the platform they are on before within conversations. Yeah. I think that they, those other platforms serve a place in the market and do specific things better than Shopify. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the types of clients that we work with, it's a no brainer to be on Shopify. Yeah, exactly. So those are just some of the things you want to look at with like, what do you want your website to do? What are the limitations of each platform? Um, because you don't want like a website builder telling you that WordPress is the best, but then realize that they just do WordPress builds for all of their like um, their restaurant clients. You know, you, you really need to look at what's best for the kind of business that you have and the kind of commerce that you want to be doing as well. Yeah. If you're, if you're look, talking to service providers, ask for case studies in your field. And if they don't, you probably are talking to the wrong person. Run. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, we, you've mentioned there's a lot of cool tools and stuff out there to help give us a better understanding of how our website's being used so we can improve it. What are some of your like top tool recommendations when it comes to conversion rate optimization? My top and favorite tool is Hotjar. Uh, we are Hotjar partners, so I think that's a little weighted, but like Hotjar is just the funnest. Uh, so basically what you can do with Hotjar is it puts a little pixel on your website 
Now, there is a bit of a performance hit with that, but the advantage of the information you get is worth it. So what Hotjar does is it records your customers. It stalks them. It's awesome. It like watches people use your website, right? And uh, so you can see how people are interacting with your website. It creates heat maps of your uh, pages. It creates scroll maps of your pages. So you can see how deep people are actually scrolling on your homepage. And maybe you don't need all those sections that you thought you needed. And you can split test getting rid of them. And that could potentially help people get to the next step in the funnel faster. And it raises your conversion rate by 5%. Um, you could look at these heat maps and you could see that your uh, your customers are clicking on something that they think's a button but isn't a button. Just make it a button. That helps them out. It gets them to do the thing that they want to do. Um, so those are great. Uh, the user With these user recordings, people use your website in ridiculous ways that you'd never think they would. And you'll learn a bunch of information about their behavior this way. And you can make... It helps you come up with a hypothesis, hypothesis of like how to like solve for where they, you think they're having issues. Um, another cool feature of Hotjar is they have a setting or like a kind of a filter that's called Rage Clicks. And you can oh see gosh. where people are like smashing like the clicking like way too much in one area because they're getting frustrated and just... Dude, if you just have one person on your team watching those rage click videos like for a half hour a week, you're going to find a bunch of stuff to fix on your website. Um, So that one's great. And then Hotjar also has uh, some basic surveying tools that you can implement on your website. And now we're getting into more of that qualitative stuff where you're asking your customers how to make their experience better. Right? So some wins on the survey stuff is like when... It can tell people are about to abandon uh, the page by like their movement is heading towards the the bar to change the URL. Uh, so you can like set a, a pop up that's like, oh, like what information did we not share with you today that would help you with your purchase or something like that. Always keep it open ended. Never have multiple choice. Always open ended. You want it in their words, um, and you'll learn like what information is missing on your website. Another fun one is like on uh, your collection pages to have the same type of pop up being triggered that asks like what brought you here today. So you can see like if you're ranking for like a keyword that like doesn't make sense or does make sense, but you're not prioritizing it in your like collection view. Um, so that's some cool stuff there. Yeah. Um, Hotjar is a fantastic tool. I love it. We're going to link to everything below, by the way, um, if you are curious to check out these tools. And last but not least, what do you, you use for split testing? Whew. We were using Google Analytics, or uh, we were using uh, the the Google split testing, but then they just sunset it. So now uh, they say they're going to bring it back with you, uh, like with GA four, mm-hmm. at least some features of it. So we're not going to get like all of Google Optimize is going to go away. But Google Optimize was awesome, and now it's going away. So there are there are some tools actually in the Shopify ecosystem that will allow you to split test some very interesting stuff. Uh, there's a, a, a tool that allows you to uh, split test shipping thresholds that I'm drawing a blank on right now, but I will find it for you and send it to you right after this. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll put it in the show notes. But there's some stuff there. And that that's definitely an area of opportunity that you'll probably see some new players in the game come out with some split testing tools uh, that serve that SMB market. Because that's just like what Google ate up all of that stuff because it was free. Um, yeah. Here's something else for everybody uh, too. If you're a more budget or price conscious shopper, there is also a new tool out by uh, Microsoft called Clarity. And it has some of the features of Hotjar and it's absolutely free. 100% free forever because you're the product, you're the data, but it's free and you can learn stuff from it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Add that below. Pull it from the show notes. I had one last question that was good. 
I will, I am drawing a blank on that, but that's okay. What have I not asked you today that I should have asked you? Um, I you asked it, but I skipped around it because I was getting excited. And so let's go back to the qualitative stuff, right? So first and foremost, CRO isn't a quick win. There's no such thing as a quick win. You probably got something wrong and that's a quick fix, but it's not a quick win. Like CRO is an ongoing slog. It is for every one winner, you're going to have like nine failures when it comes to split testing. It is... Uh, you got to get in the mindset of testing things and and be okay with with the failures because the failures are just learning opportunities. It's like okay, well, we know that doesn't work. Let's move on, right? Yeah. Um, another thing around this is if you're like under a million dollars a year, don't. This is not. You don't have enough conversions on your site. You don't have enough traffic. You don't have enough anything on your website to really do any sort of true CRO or split testing, you should focus all your time and energy into your marketing sales channels and like build those up and make those great. Yeah. Ignore CRO until you're doing like a million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, now, so you get the heuristic stuff out of the way, like the how your navigation works and like the performance stuff. And now you're down to this qualitative stuff. And you're starting to get this information from your customers through like hot jars and asking them questions. Yeah. You can also do surveys, right? So email your list and ask them specific questions about your website or even more than that, we're going to get into the more psychological stuff about buying. So yeah. people do not buy to you, buy from you because they have fear, uncertainty, and doubt about your product solving the problem that you're talking about. And now this gets into the really nerdy stuff about CRO. And it's like, honestly, it's like psychology. And you're probably not speaking the language your customer is speaking. You're not uh, explaining the benefits in a way that is actually beneficial to them. Uh, you'll see, like, I've got, there's so many examples out there on the internet of like how there's these crazy CRO wins, which, if you think about it, it's just because they didn't, they weren't talking about the product in the way that the customers are talking about the product. So it, sometimes it comes down to like, your shipping policy is confusing and you just got to reword your shipping policy and you'll see this crazy thing because now it makes more sense. Or maybe your customers are really, really uh, worried about things being made in America and you don't... It is, but you just don't say it everywhere as much as you should. Um, and you learn that stuff by talking to your customers more. Um, you can send out surveys. Better is like go find your VIB shoppers that have spent a bunch of money with you and you as the CEO or founder... Send them a real email and say, "Hey, can I can I get you on the phone for thirty minutes? And I'll give you a hundred dollar gift card, and you'll learn so much from that conversation about how they think about your brand, how they use your website. Hell, if you're like, oh yeah, that's great, and you start talking about the website, they'll be like, oh, this thing's broken, and you just wouldn't know, right? There's just so much information you get out of those interviews, um, and then another thing that you can do is there are services out there that you can actually run user user tests. On the, they'll, they'll do those on your website. We use a service called Playbook UX for this. Mm -hmm. You have to provide kind of like the scripts and whatnot. Uh, but you can have strangers use your website and tell you like how it doesn't make any sense or what's broken on it. Take all that stuff and make your website better. Yeah, it's like uh, User Bob. Yeah, so. there's, there's definitely a few of them out there. Yeah, so yeah, because it's a great necessary service that we need. So, um, well, Chase, this has been great if anyone wants to learn more about uh working with you or just connecting with you where is a good place to go absolutely so um if you think that you might be a good fit to work with electric eye our agency head over to electriceye.io uh schedule a call with me probably going to be me uh it's just there's a quick and easy form to fill out and you can schedule something in chat and we can see if we're a good fit 
Uh, if you're not quite there yet, but you kind of want to still stay in the loop, uh, subscribe to my podcast, Honest Ecommerce. I am interviewing brand founders every week. Uh, we put out a lot of bonus episodes with fantastic guests. I'm having this amazing woman on uh, from Launch and Scale here pretty soon. Cool. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, how, that's what you should do. Love it. All right, apart from that, um, we're gonna put as many resources as possible in the show notes. And if there's anything I missed, please do tag us in the comments if you are watching on YouTube. But outside of that, Chase, thanks again for coming on and sharing your wisdom. And we will see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe on your mobile device. And for more resources and information on how you can launch and scale your e-commerce business online, be sure to go to launchandscale.co. And we've also got a ton of free actionable content available on TikTok and YouTube. Just be sure to go to either platform, search for Kirsten, my name, K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N. Apart from that, we'll see you in the next episode.